Shut up and sit down. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Third Shift. That's episode 212. I, of course, am your host, your funky leader, the greatest man who's ever lived. It's me. It's Matt. With me, as always, he's nodding his head with like sagely. He looks like he's he's ready to go Zen mode on you guys. It's the Beastmaster of Third Shift. It's my buddy, Eric. And we're going to start the show like we always do. Eric, my good friend, oh. who I haven't seen since the last time we did a podcast. Wow. How was your week, my dude? Hey, so... We were actually home this last weekend. Incredible. Inconceivable. It it doesn't even make sense. I don't even know how to act or what to do about it. But yes, we were home. However, there was a hitch. My sister was in town visiting to uh, hang out with my mother and help her out around her house, etc. So, back, but also not 100% back to normal. You know how that goes when you got a guest. Even though they're not there to hang out with you, you still got like some guest rules and rights you're supposed to follow. So... We did a little bit of that. You guys know how it goes. You guys want to like do a dinner or something? We're gonna like look. We can go out to dinner, except we can't. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, great. Yeah. So we did go to Olympic Broil for lunch, though. <sighs> and if you don't know what that is, folks, it's a little burger, <sighs> fast food burger joint in our town that just is <sighs> amazing. Offers up such goodness, <laughs> and you eat outside, and it's always got about a hundred and fifty ducks, and you just feed the ducks, and they oh come up God. to your little face, and they go quack 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 quack. It's a good oh, life. Jesus. Yeah, you missed out. And I, <sighs> I had the Olympic broil burger, which has chili and mayonnaise in it, and everything else. And oh, look at that, everybody! Unprofessional. I never get a call during the podcast. You know what? I never get a call. Period. <laughs> Put that shit on mute, sir. There we go. It's on mute. I don't even care. That's going in. So I had it, all that chili dripping down my flipping hands. I had a big old fry with all the extra ketchups and everything, the chocolate shakes, you know. (sighs) It was good, man. It was good. And it was a beautiful day out. I haven't had those chicken strips in a freaking year, dude. At least a year. Got to be at least a year. You got to get out there. I keep saying, let's do it, and you keep going, COVID, man, COVID. And I'm like, I don't care about COVID. We go sit on them benches. No, what you do is you always go, man, Olympic broil, dude. And I'm like, man, that sounds really good. And then we go both go, yeah. We never say COVID, man. We just go, man, that sounds good. And then we never do it. Sushi, man. Sushi sounds great. Yeah. No, the sushi one, I was willing. And I said, Matt, do you want to just get it to go? Because we're never opening back up. And then you went, no, man. We need to do it where we sit in there and eat the damn sushi. And I went, okay. And this is back when we thought maybe it was going to be over, like going to be over at some point. Right. So right. I'll give you that, but it's never going to be over. And then like two weeks later, I split for the other And building. then it's, we I haven't seen you forever. Yeah. And now it's over. Now it's too late. It's too late to apologize anymore. It's over. Life's done. So I went. I had an enjoyable meal. Then I also had my favorite pizza over at Cagino. So I ate good this weekend. Also... On side notes and other stuff, video game-wise, we went and played, of course, some Borderlands 3, finished up the Creek DLC, had a great time with that, and then, of course, we started to go in and play some uh, some Overwatch, but because of my new sleep schedule, I got really tiredy-poo and fell well, didn't fall asleep, but was going to fall asleep, so called it there, and then, of course, played World of Warcraft this week. And had a good time with that. Been leveling up like crazy. I know you don't want to hear about it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just wanted to mention it. So with that all said and done, I also played this little game, which I'll talk to you in a minute about, called 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. 
so cool. So much fun. I'll, I'll talk a little bit more on the releases this week about it. And other than that, just prepping for my last camp out of the year oh, tomorrow. I'll be gone all weekend, having a blast. And that's it, Matt. Then you don't got to worry about a camp out no more until next year. It'll be great. You're going to love it. Awesome. What about you? <laughs> well, I feel like this week, one of those nothing weeks, like work has been stressful and I come home and I just go, I don't know what to do. Blah. But I have been playing Animal Crossing New Horizons, as always. Play it every day, do my dailies, do my town stuff. Another village just left. A new one's on the way. So I'm excited to see what that character does, what his house looks like, all that good stuff, what his personality is, you know, all the Animal Crossing stuff that you do. Of course, we did play Borderlands 3, beat the Krieg DLC, like we said. Not much else to say about that. And then, oh my god, I got into Hades, the game I talked to you guys about last week in the releases. I couldn't resist. I watched like I saw like two more screenshots of it, and I just went. I, I threw my arms in the air and I ran over to my Switch and I went download. Give all the funds. I don't care. And I started playing it. And man, that game is so flipping good. As as good as it looks in motion, as good as it looks in the screenshots, as good as the reviews are, it is ten times better when you're playing it. It's so smooth and fast and cool and fun and frenetic and fresh. And what I love about it is, I talked about last week, how you kind of build yourself up. It's it's a roguelite, but it's kind of nicer or more fun than most roguelites are. I have never had a bad run in this game. You know, there's some weapons I'm not too keen on, but it gives you so many cool abilities and ways to move and, and manipulate the enemies and all that stuff. The powers you can unlock, the boons from the different gods. There's no way to have a bad run with it. And man, when you f- start finding Daedalus hammers, oh my god, it changes the game up. I got one on my first run, I think with the bow, the first thing that dropped, like boom, Daedalus hammer, and it, it upgrades your abilities, you know, one of the three little choices you got. I got an explosive shot on that bow, and I just destroyed everything from then on. First boss, no problem, just boom, boom, boom explosive shots with my bow. Ah, It's so much fun. I love that game. I'm to- I'm just afraid of playing it too much and just ramming my way through it like as it is i've gotten to the third area of hades so far out of it seems like maybe eight or nine i'm not sure but in the codex that looks like there's that many spaces i'm just afraid of playing it all night every night and just blowing through it and be like all right i I made it through and then i'll do another run just to get collectibles you know for each of the weapons and all that stuff but non-spoiler spoiler uh Apparently, there are more objectives and more things to do once you beat it. That makes sense. So that's not it's all you'll you know you'll get a run through. Mm-hmm. That's not the end. Apparently, there's uh, more story that goes with it. Oh yeah, well, you know how it is though. Once you've beaten the mm-hmm. game, even though there's more to do, ah, uh, well, I'll make a run through with the shield. Uh, you know, I'll do a couple more and get a couple of these things. Yeah. But whatever. I'm afraid of a little bit of the bloom falling off the rose, but as it is right now. That rose is blooming. It's up in my face. I'm smelling nothing but flowers. God, that game is so good. And speaking of so good, it's that time of year, finally. It's finally here. I've waited, well, it's only been two months, but the G1 for New Japan Pro Wrestling, it's finally here. I had the greatest night of my whole life two nights ago. I put it on. I watched night one. And I got five guys for dinner. I bit into this beautiful, juicy, just greasy, delicious burger. And and your and your and your buddy scored you a Xbox Series S. Well, that's it was that same day, wasn't it? Oh my God, what a day! But that wasn't part of the story. We'll get to that in a minute. Bite into this beautiful burger, all these fresh jalapenos all over the bottom. I go, 
oh man, that's hot. That's good. And then I turned to the TV where Minoru Suzuki versus Tomohiro Ishii beating the ever loving tar out of each other in the typical Japanese strong style match. So good. Everything was the best it could ever be. And then, yes, you said it. My buddy Eric, he was like, man, I try, I got myself an Xbox and then I had to cancel it because I don't really want it. And I said, man, if you had ordered the S, I would buy it off of you. And then we both, we, we tag teamed all the websites to earn lunch. I got it in the cart. Refresh, refresh, refresh. It won't let me pay. It's gone. Got it in the cart over here. Refresh, refresh. It won't let me pay. Ah, it's gone. Bob it a boo. And then now one's on the way, courtesy of my good friend Eric. So thank you, sir. You are the yeah, Xbox no King. I just wanted to prove I could do it, you know, because I was so angry. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still angry about PlayStation's complete befricking dooglement. And then I was like, no, I'm going to show you that I'm not an idiot. I could have got one mm-hmm. if they hadn't totally lied and screwed me over. So I, I was determined. And like, I told, like I said, I got the one, canceled the whole order just because I just didn't want it anyway. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to know I could. And then you were like, no, bro, I really actually did want it. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> so that's when we all went and tried again. And then after we had tried, both tried, and you'd said, nah, screw it, man. It's over. I was like, not yet. It ain't. So I kept going. I kept going. And sure enough, boom. There it went. And I went, yes. Damn it. So that was fun. Heck yeah. So now, Hunter, you Canadian. Well, I, I was going to cut like a wrestling promo. You Canadian bastard. I'm going to meet you on the fields of Xbox when the Xbox One S, yeah, when the Xbox Series S comes out. Series S. I'll be playing the games. <laughs> I'll be doing the stuff. I'll see you online, sucker. Which, did you see that? They, apparently, a lot of people, of course, with them crazy names got confused because oh, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the Series X, Xbox One Series X or whatever the hell it's called these uh-huh. days, the sales went up by like 700%. Yeah, so, oh. I feel so bad. There's so many people out there getting the wrong system for Christmas. What a day. It's pretty bad. I mean, but it's, well, I guess you have to be in the know because I went on Amazon all those days looking for it. And it has its own, like, the Xbox series has its own little page. And then underneath, it's, oh, Xbox One X. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's goofy. It's dumb. Oh, I feel bad for him, but oh, well. I didn't make that mistake, so it doesn't matter. And hey, they still get an awesome gaming system. They get the most powerful True. one there is out there right now. So congratulations on your bad luck, I guess. Better than nothing, right? Hey. <laughs> but we're going to move on from that. And my buddy Eric has got an awesome game to tell us about in the releases. Tell us about 13 Sentinels. I already know about it because I really want to play this game too. All right, let me tell you, folks, a game just came out for the PlayStation 4, for all sorts of other systems. Not, it's an exclusive, only the PlayStation 4 gets it. Just kidding, because you know what? It has been published by Atlas, developed by Vanillaware, and if you don't know, Atlas mostly plays with PlayStation. They've been doing some stuff with Switch, but right now this is all about the PlayStation. It's 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim, and I'll tell you what, this game and Hades, I've been, I told Matt already, obviously, I've been just going back and forth with, I could not figure out which one to get. They both looked fantastic. And then the reviews hit and both of them were just gleaming and happy and beautiful and wonderful. And so you know me, I'm an RPG guy. I was like, man, and I loved Vanillaware's games previous to this. And I went, you know, I love Dead Cells, but it got annoying after a while. And I went, that's it. Just get it. Just get 13 Sentinels. You know, you're going to have a good time with it. And, and and I did. And if I had known how good 13 Sentinels was, I would be in the same boat. But since 
Hades came out last week. I got it over the weekend and then 13 Sentinels came out and I read up on how cool it is. And I was like, well, I need to get it, but I already have Hades. I need to put that time in and, and spend that, you know, spend that good time rolling around in the underworld with that. And I'll, I'll get to 13 Sentinels after that. And you'll get to it when there's a sale, much like I'm going to get to Hades when it goes down by five bucks or something on some kind of sale, because it's already awesomely priced, Hades is anyway, at, you know, 20 bucks, whereas 13 Sentinels is a full $60 game, you're putting the money in there. However, from what I hear, it's like a 20-hour game. What is it? If you know Vanillaware, they do beautiful side-scrolling, hand-drawn, you know, sprite-based like imaging. Just side-scrolling adventures, basically, in a nutshell, or light light RPGs, as I like to call them. Well, they do that sort of with this game. They wanted to get away from the fantasy, which is what they generally worked on, and they went with, with this science fiction, futuristic but past but future, all sorts of coolness. You got 13 different characters whom you learn and go through their story with, and it's really unique because for the story portion of this, you have to go through the prologue of all the characters, so you're just boom, 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 one prologue after the other. And you'll see as you're going through the prologue, their interactions with different characters jumping in and out of these different time frames. And on top of that, you get these mysterious agents and stuff coming in and out of the storyline at all sorts of different points in time because the characters are not all in the same time frame. You've got characters 1984, characters in the future, characters 1985, characters all over in between Characters from 1944 or something like that. So it, it spans a huge gap. And the reason it does so is because of the Sentinels coming in and out of the different time frames because of something I don't even know yet. There's some kind of problems and things that can be done. And apparently, like, all the characters, some of them are aware of what they are and what's going on. Some think it's a dream. And so they're all part of this school, and there's like all sorts of mystery involved of why they got these uh, you know, sheets on them of what's going on. Are they actually students, or are they like patients of some kind? I don't know yet because I'm not far enough in. I've only played for about two and a half hours. It's crazy, man. Just that whole time frames, timelines, time jumping, and then everything else that goes on top of it. As soon as I read that, I, I like I said, I had no, I had no knowledge of what this game was, and then it was like, hey, it's 13 Sentinels launch day, and I went, oh, let me read a review. Oh, three different timelines and characters, and they cross the timelines and they interact with them. This character's storyline will interact with this one's storyline. So sometimes you see it from this side, and then later you see it from, from the this other side. side. Yeah. Yes, it's oh, so cool. That's everything I love in video games and time travel, anything. Oh, my God. It, 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 so far, it's amazing. And already, two and a half hours in, there's surprises. Characters you thought were friends do things, and then you find out other things going on. Already, the mystery's there. And on top of all that, while you're doing these stories, like you said, you see it from different perspectives based off the different characters you in, you know you inhabit at the time. And there's all these cool little secrets and mystery files and, and things you can find and see that can help you uncover and unravel the mystery behind what's going on. So that's the story. That's what's going on in the RPG portion of this. It isn't heavy. You're not doing all any platforming. You're not doing any hack and slashing thus far. You literally just walk around on screens and screens talking to different characters. And they'll give you these thought bubbles. And then you can take those thought bubbles, you consider them, you read them, you think about it, then you can reply to the different characters with stuff, and then you can link the thought bubbles and then come out with a different uh, you know, sentence for them to tell them or ask them or whatever the case may be, which uncovers more of what's going on or just gets you involved deeper with other characters. Really cool, pretty simple, pretty easy to do, 
but really engaging because along with that, everything is gorgeous. If you know Vanillaware, you already know that all of the backdrops are freaking just gorgeous. The music is on point and wonderful. I cannot tell you how awesome this thing is. And that's only half of the game because the other half is strategic tactical RPG battles. Again, you know, obviously those 13 Sentinels I told you, they're giant mech warriors of different varieties. And they go up against kaiju, you know, these big, you know, bug-like creature things, etc. And so in between the prologues for me right now, and I'm assuming going forward, it'll be like, oh, you, you, you know, they're, they're attacking this town, da 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 And then it goes like wave one, which I don't know how long it goes, but whatever. You hop in, and then it takes you to this top over of the city, and your characters take the form of like these little like arrows, squares, you know, like little digitized versions of themselves on this like cool holographic map and then the kaiju are represented by the same thing little little you know holographic like squares circles triangles and then there's aerial there's a tank like kaiju there's your infiltrator type ones etc and then with your the different sentinels you of course got you know you got your type one type two type threes some are better at aerial combat some are better at tanky stuff you know that some are better at moving around the map and uh, defending the area you're supposed to defend. So it's your typical strategy RPG stuff going on. Now, the upside of this is I think it looks wonderful. It's unique. It's cool. It's very awesome. Uh, so far, the battle's been pretty simple. Defend the area that the kaiju are trying to get to. Don't let them get to it. That's it. And then and then it's teaching you different abilities that the, the defense points have. And then, of course, all the different sentinels have the abilities that they have. So on and so forth. Awesome. Tons of fun. Downside is like I said, you don't get to really see your mechs, you know. And that's the really sad part is when you hover over them in the right-hand side, it'll kind of give you an image of them and stuff, and that's neat. But it just is a disappointment that you don't get to see the kaiju. You don't get to see the actual mechs going to battle, taking each other on, except for in the cutscenes in the story portion of the game. And that's the one thing that I was really disappointed by because I heard, I read that in all the reviews, and I was like, well, let me watch a video review and see how bad it is. Like they don't say, oh man, the graphics are terrible, but they say, you know, there's that hard shift of mm-hmm. the storyline is this way, the battles are this way. And I was looking and I was like, man, this could be so. I mean, it's not bad. Again, I don't think it's bad. This could be so much more engaging and cool. Think of something like, because you know, I've played the Super Robot Wars games where you have the mecha from all the different anime and the big storylines and all that stuff. And, well, you'll have like super deformed mechs on the map screen, but then when you do a big ability, it'll, boom, cutscene to you, you know, your pilot will yell out the name of the move and the big... Then you launch out the really cool, yeah, yeah. rockets or whatever. And it's still, you know, like Fire Emblem or... Advanced Wars style of just, you know, you'd shoot the thing and then pew, health bar goes down. But it's still, it could look a lot more visually engaging, which, I mean, it's a shame. And see, that's that's the thing. is the visually engaging. I wish it was richer. I wish it had more of that vanillaware love and attention that the storyline gets. However, where they, they make up for it is in everything else. You got characters just screaming and yelling and talking to each other. You got the command center hollering at you that you got kaiju on attack at sector 13. You got to get over there and you got explosion sounds going on. You got the music of battle raging on in the headphones. So you're, you still feel pumped. You still feel hyped. You're like, Oh man, I'm in a big battle here. The visuals just aren't there to support that. That's the only thing. So with that being said though, it's still a lot of fun. I assume it's going to get your typical. Uh, tactical difficulty later where if you don't foresee a certain thing happening, you're going to end up just mm-hmm. in the toaster. So 
that sometimes gets frustrating, but if you play tactical RPGs and such, you know the deal. You'll you'll get used to it and you'll be all right. So expect that if you're fresh to this. The early ones will be easy, but I imagine it's going to spike up at some point. And you might get frustrated if you don't start actually using your mechs accordingly and battling against the proper kaiju and uh, defending, of course, your safe spots, whatever the mission requires of you. Other than that, I've already explained pretty much everything else. I don't know... I'm not, like I said, I'm not super deep into it, so I don't know if at some point you are forced to do stories and then waves, or if you could just do the entire story and then go back and do the battles. I imagine that'd be crazy, and why would you want to do that? But I don't know that 100%, so I can't speak to that yet. I'm pretty sure you do have to do the battles at some point to progress the story further. Okay, that's good. But again, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure I heard that in one of the three or four reviews that I read. Okay, because I know they said you could like go through one person's story after the prologue and just like advance them like almost, like to a huge chunk, and then it does lock you at some pro- point in the story. Yeah. But I'm like, why would you want to do that? Wouldn't you want to just keep up to date? But I don't know. To each their own. I'll find out. Maybe maybe there's merit to pushing one person's story as far as you can, and then going back. We'll find out. And I'll keep you updated. So that's my release. It ended up kind of being way more than that, but I don't care. It's our show. I'll do what I want to do. What about you, Matt? And I tag-teamed on your release a little bit. So we went big on this one. I'm going to go pretty short on this one, not only just because there's not you know a, a lot of deep mechanics and stuff to talk about with this one, but it's something that I have downloaded and I'm going to play either while I'm still playing Hades as like a change of pace or once I've blown through all that, and that's Journey of the Broken Circle, which was developed by Lovable Hat Cult, published by Nakana.io. And if there's one thing you know about me, all of you longtime Third Shift listeners, it's that I love indie games that are emotional and sad. And that's what this looks like, and it's basically the journey of a broken circle. You play as a little circle person with a little piece missing. There's like a little triangle shaved out of him. He looks like a little Pac-Man rolling along the ground. And as he's going, he keeps thinking about how he's got this piece missing. He could be perfect if he had something to fill in this piece. Definitely has a story to it. It's got characters. So as this little Pac-Man looking dude rolling around, you'll find areas that you can't progress to. Like you, you can roll and you can jump as the circle itself, but you'll find areas where there's like a steep wall where you can't go up there because you can't jump over it. But eventually throughout the story, you meet different, I guess I'll say people, different shapes that slot into that missing piece of you. It's like, hey, now I have a friend. Now we've come together and now I can kind of climb up this wall using like the sticky ability. You know, you progress here and then you go along together on this journey And at certain points, you split up with the other person. And if you watch the gameplay trailer, I think it shows two. And the review I saw showed three, where there's one that like helps you stick to walls. There's one that's like a little balloon that you kind of blow up and you can float along, along like uh, air pockets and air streams. The circle and these pieces are all different characters. So they come together for a reason to get, you know, through here. And then as their relationship progresses, they eventually, obviously, have to break apart or, you know, one leaves the circle or the circle leaves them. And then he's rolling along again. Like in that trailer, you see him like get to another wall and he goes, well, I can't go up the wall anymore because Sticky isn't here. So it's it's kind of like parallels of love and relationships up and down and, you know, meeting new people and losing them. So definitely some heavier themes in this game. I've heard it's really fantastic. The graphics are nice and clean and simple and cute, but they get the point across. There's all kinds of other characters you meet. I don't know. This is totally right up my alley. It's, like I said, an indie game with emotions and kind of heart and 
sad notes and happy notes. It's all things that I love in one of these simple little indie games. It seems like more than the sum of its parts, though. So definitely watch some trailers. Watch the review, especially from I Dream of Indie. That's a cool YouTube channel I've been following for indie games. They did a really good review of it. You get to see a lot of it in action. Yeah, check it out. If you're interested in smaller indie games, cheaper indie games with some heart and some story to them, Journey of the Broken Circle is going to be right up your alley, just like it is mine. It's one of those ones I should be picking up, you know. I keep saying it. I'm supposed to be playing some of these indie games. It's almost the end of the year. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. And here I am with about a billion games already in my backlog. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> why do I even bother, Matt? Life's too hard. It's too hard to play these video games and have fun. It's, uh, you know, it's too, it's so stressful. It's hard. Just difficult. do the one thing in front of you. Never make plans for the future or thoughts of other things. Just, I have 13 Sentinels. I'm just playing that. I'm just playing this. Now I'm done with it. Throw That's it away. It. What else is new? Put that in front of my face. I'm going to play this yeah. now. I need those blinders. We yeah. always talk about them. I, I need them. I just need to put them on. Bloop. I don't see nothing else. There's no no worries, no troubles. <laughs> What's that noise? Doesn't matter. Blinders are on. News in the gaming industry. Tokyo Game Show. Something cool coming out. Never heard of it. Nope. I can't. Never heard can't of even it. see it. Nope. Nothing. I can't see. You know, another thing I can't see is them shift codes, Matt. Where, where are they at? You tell me. Well, I'll what? tell you. I'm looking for them. <laughs> They're all over the internet. We got shift codes for Golden Keys and Borderlands Game of the Year edition. So hit up the Twitter, the Red Forms, the Instagram, hit up the Discord, hit up your preferred shift code provider, and get yourself some free loot in a fantastic game. Since you've beaten Borderlands 3's latest DLC, take a stroll on back to where it all began and start all over again. Play through that again, then Borderlands 2 again, then the pre sequel again, then Borderlands 3 again when the other big update comes out. That's what you should be doing. And by the time you do all that, they're going to have all the brand new skill trees for you in Borderlands 3. You're going to be loving it. You're going to be having a great time. It's the perfect idea if you're a Borderlands freakazoid and just can't <laughs> stop playing. God, it's perfect, Matt. You got to, oh, man, what a great idea. And of course, speaking of Gearbox freakazoids, Borderlands freakazoids, hey, the one and only, and I might butcher the name, Graham Timmons, he had an interview with Forbes and he was talking about, asked the question, you know, why did they decide to go with uh, the new skill trees and whatnot instead of new characters, playable characters. Now, long ago, they talked about this and why I think they explained entirely why they did this. But we're going to go ahead and rehash it just a little bit because it is a recent interview. And basically what it came down to is they decided that they thought there'd be more benefit to the players who enjoy Borderlands 3 and are currently playing to add skill trees to the characters they already know, they already love, they already have leveled and add more choices for them to utilize and have fun with and experiment with than it would be for them to create new characters that they've got to then start from scratch and play all the way through the game again. And they said that's a hefty investment. And they just didn't think that a lot of players actually put in all that effort to go from scratch all the way back up with their previous set of characters. And so they thought this was the better round. Now, I don't remember if we discussed it back in the day. I don't think we did, no. Okay. But I just wanted to touch briefly on our thoughts on this one. So I'll let you go first, Matt. I don't want to touch briefly on this. I want to touch longly on this. I want to put my hand okay, on this right. and get it all, all sweaty right, because it, my head's sweaty right. hand. Now, I'm of two minds about this because, yes, I do agree. I, you know, I've gone through with Flack and Mr. Beef, and that's my character. That's Borderlands 3 to me. I love Mr. Beef. I love running around with him. I have so many memories of destroying all the bosses with Mr. Beef. He just stands there and tanks every hit while I just sit there and shoot. It's perfect. It's it's part of third shift lore. That is how I play Borderlands 3. So 
while I agree that it will be fun to open up that new skill tree and check out new stuff, I'm not attached to Flack that much. I like my character, but as much as the Vault Hunters in this one are more characters because there are so many more voice lines and back and forth interactions, I feel attached to the other characters in the story, not to me. So, so yes, I see what they're saying, but at the same time, the other thing that I complain about with Borderlands 3 all the time is well, I'm not going to go pl- through play through all the side quests and the story again. I've done it already. What I haven't done it with is a brand new character. If you, if you give me some totally new character with totally new voice lines, it'll at least be enough to get me to go through it with each of the characters again. Maybe that doesn't make sense because there are four characters and I've only done it with one and a half of them as it is. But I feel like if right now they dropped a brand new character, I would say, hell yeah, Eric, you and I, we've got, you know, Moe's and Flack up to max level. Next Borderlands night, we're rolling through with Shayna and Boofabuff. That's what we're doing. And you would go, heck yeah, man, that sounds like fun because we're not going to run through with Moe's and Flack again. So I I don't know. I guess I, I'm leaning more towards new characters because that's what it sounds like. But I get what they're saying. But at the same time, I would play, I would, you and I have done it. We've re-rolled new characters and done it before with two, with the pre-sequel. I feel like we do it here. What about you? So here's the thing is I agree with what they're saying. I think this is the best call overall. Uh, I think that players who are invested hardcore in the Borderlands and just love it, do nothing else but play Borderlands, I do think that they would rather have the new skill trees to play with their favorite characters and experiment with all sorts of new builds and guns, etc., than they would having a new player that they'd then have to max level out. Do I think they'd be upset with new characters? No, because it's content, it's things for them to do in general. But I do think overall the quality is going to come from, the most quality would come from the new skill trees, allowing the characters you already have played as to have brand new options available to you. And on top of that, like you already said, and kind of against your own argument, is there are four characters, and you and I haven't even played as the other characters yet. So yeah, it probably goes with most Borderlands players. They probably have only played maybe two, three tops. So they already do have still another character in the background they can start scratch with. This allows them to go back to their one or two favorites and then have all new builds and all new things to do and check out. But with that being said, my personal feelings... Or I would much rather have new characters because it's exactly as you said. I know it sounds silly, doesn't make a lot of sense. And yes, there are three new characters I haven't really played too much as. I've played, dabbled with all of them a little bit, but not all the way through with any of them. But I think for me and you, how we play, if like you said, they went, where's two new characters coming to freaking Borderlands 3? Me and you in a heartbeat would do some Borderlands nights with new characters drinking beers, playing through, doing the whole thing, having fun, and it would feel fresh even though you're still going through that story that we said we've already experienced hardcore a couple times. We're good to go for now until they come up with some new more stuff. Uh, But with those new characters, I don't know why, but we would probably play it again and have a great time with it because we've done that in the past a million times over. So for my own greedy reasons, I wish they would do the new characters instead of the skill trees. Or maybe both. You know, let's have it all. But I understand what they're doing and I understand their decisions on it. I only hope that all four of them have amazing skill trees. You know, we already seen what Flax is going to be. And based off that, I have high hopes. But 
hey, maybe they showed the best of what they had of the four, and the other three will just kind of be meh. Now, now there's like three different things I want to touch on. First first one, <laughs> I'll, I'll try and buzz through them real quick so we don't stay uh-huh. on this for the whole show. But first one, I think you are 100% right. All the hardcore Borderlands players who are, we talked about this last week, who don't play the game like I do. Uh-huh. They just want to run to the end and find the boss and shoot him real quick. They will definitely appreciate a fourth skill tree more for that exact same reason that we just talked about. So that makes sense. That's not my Borderlands, but that's the way to play Borderlands. So I get it. Second thing, I think for us, new characters would be fresher than new old characters because you and I have looked at the skill trees for all of them before. Uh Like when they first came out, we looked through everybody's skill trees and this is what I would pick. This is what I would pick. So even if we are not experiencing their story firsthand we know them i know how i would build amara Mm -hmm. i know how i'd build zane and moe's so i think there's that but then you touched on hopefully the new skill trees for the other characters are as cool i don't know if you saw but mental mars put up a little article with freeze frames of the first glimpses we've gotten of the new skill trees for the other characters or new abilities that they're doing Oh, no, I haven't seen it yet. Like, I know Zane is the one with the little shoulder cannon that kind of, like, does the cryo zap. Mm -hmm. I forget what Amara's is. She was, like, punching a bubble, I think, like some kind of cryo orb or something. And for Moe's, it looked like, and Mental Mars speculated about this, she has, like, a little hologram in her hand with, like, a little mini iron bear. So he was thinking maybe you can send out like a little mini iron bear, Mr. Beef style. It's like, Hey, it's little iron bear. And then he'll be running around with you. And he was thinking, do you still jump into iron bear or do all of your iron bear attachments go on this little mini iron bear that's running around? Cause that would be awesome too. So maybe for me, cause it's so unclear, Amara and Zane don't really sound that cool. But if Moe's gets a little buddy to run with and then big buddy as well, that's awesome. Come on. That is awesome. You know, I'm going to have to check this out for myself. Definitely. But if it is that awesome or something even in that realm of having like remote controlled, like a death trap version of Iron Bear, just exactly, he's just yes. out there running around, killing people, doing his own thing, and I get to still be just me, Moe, shooting, oh, that's game over. I'm I'm in heaven. Mm-hmm. I don't ever got to go yeah. anywhere else. So I don't know. That's, that's, a, that's a trap, though, because now I'm never leaving. <laughs> I'd be Moe's forever. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So we're talking this much about Borderlands 3. I'm flipping the script on the show notes. We got a little bit of Godfall to talk about, but we're hip deep in Borderlands 3 right now. Why don't we just finish it up? How about thoughts of the Fuster Cluck? You and I both finished it up uh, quite very drunk. I will say I couldn't remember anything about it. I had to go back and I had to go watch some videos. And And I went, oh, this is piecing together the little slideshow in my head to now a full movie. I remember this. Yeah, it was was wonderful (laughs) because I did the same exact thing. So I'll say this. I know I had a lot of fun, all right, just first and foremost, and whenever that happens, I'm a happy camper. We we started off, both of us, as we got up to, we got up to the choo-choo train, beating the choo-choo train, and then moving on to the third portion, which ended up being the uh, the Dr. Benedict. We we both coincidentally made it to that point anyway. So we started off fresh there, we did a side quest, and then we popped into the new stuff. And by the way, Matt was going on about how he hated this area, how it's so full of baddies and ridiculous. It ended up being that side quest went right to that area, and we smoked it. It was like a, I don't know, it took like all 25 seconds. We smoked it. We got rewarded, and we took off. And it wasn't it wasn't just that we smoked it. Like, we ran through all the enemies that I fought. No, I fought three to four times as many enemies as we did when we ran through it as two people, which is the absolute inverse of what you would expect. So I don't know what was going on with that area, 
But I will say that side quest was awesome where you get your gun buddy and then I won't spoil it for the rest of the people. Mm-hmm. That was fantastic. Yes. And it was great. And I was like, okay, you almost made up for the horror that I went through last week. Almost. Almost. I mean, you, it did. You had to do a special thing while you were there involving, yes. yeah. That's, and that yeah. right there, that made up for it. <laughs> <laughs> the quest itself is amazing. It shot yes. me over the moon with happiness, but then I was lassoed and dragged back down by the memory of what happened to me before. Mm-hmm. So yin and yang. It's all about balance, Matt. <laughs> it was the the benediction of pain is what the the third area is called. You go in and you learn about what happened to Krieg and why and how and who transformed him into the psychopath he is. That area was awesome looking. Yeah. I loved it. I thought the theme behind it all was super cool. The uh, the boss fight himself was pretty cool. Like, uh, I think we kind of, I feel, and this ain't the game's fault. This is another one of those things where we were at a lower mayhem level than we probably should have been mm-hmm. because we pretty much just smoked them, just took them out, no, no real issues. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, well, that was fun, but super easy. Okay. See, there was a reason I didn't remember him. And the video that I watched, that character, that person smoked him too. And I went, Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is what I remember. I stood there with my OPQ system, melted his shield. You got into Iron Bear, melted his health, and it was over. Mm-hmm. It was over, yeah. And then we collected loot and moved on. Yeah. But the story right in there, and I want once again, I don't think we'll spoil much. I'll just let you know. I thought it was really cool. You got to see the inside scoop of Krieg, of course, and what's going on there, and what's why things were the way they were, really. And then, of course, you get more storyline, which led you to the very end, which was Valhalla. You're praising the story. I think that's my favorite thing out of this whole DLC. I appreciate the story. I like it. The Crazy Creek stuff was fun, but then the backstory you got, it, it felt, I don't want to say like fulfilling, like it was some grand thing, mm-hmm. but I liked that it, it filled in gaps in the story. This is what happened. This answers some questions in the whole Borderlands series about what's going on. So I, I really appreciated it for that reason. And that's the same here. Is I love the characters in this one. I liked what was going on. I liked getting all the backstory. I also liked the fact that with multiple people playing, the uh, the little additional to go to those little podiums and then follow the rays and shoot the balls, that became easy peasy. So, hey, guess what? If you're having issues doing that in the console, trying to aim and get all the, the, the ball shot and whatnot... Just have a buddy with you, and it's a billion times easier. You get left, I get right, or you go far, I go I go short, and you win. We also have to clarify, we had no idea how to do it before. Because remember, there was the one that shot out like 10 or 12 of them, and mm-hmm. we went, this is still impossible with two of us. Mm-hmm. And then we figured out, it's only the ones with the little streams the on little them. streams on them, yeah. So somehow, neither you or I had noticed that before. Well, I mean, because the ones that I did, they all had streams. So mm-hmm. it was still hard. But but if you are really struggling with it, if there's like 20 of them out there, and you're like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Just follow the ones that stream out from the podium, because there's false ones out there. You don't want to be shooting those. Just to clarify for anybody who was like, man... Those guys are idiots. They don't know how it's going. We know how it's going. Or if you're in the same boat as us, that's how it goes. Just do it that way. Yes. Yes. We got there. We figured it all out. Mind you, we're having lots of beers. So, ha, if two inebriated individuals can figure it out, you know it. You got this. That's right. Now, with that being said, if we head into the last area, the Vault Holla itself, we knew and figured out immediately that there was a secret in here because of those panels that could take a little bit of damage. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point we did try to do it, but it was much more involved than we knew. 
because we went ahead and then had our issues with the boss and then the last boss and did that whole thing. And then this is the coolest part of this whole thing was I loved I loved the Vault Hala. Once you beat the boss, you do all that shtick, you jump in a portal, and you go to this timed vault where you got so much time to jump from these different flying platforms and then open up chests on your way. Well, guess what? Spoiler alert, there's panels out there. If you hit all those panels, hit all the panels inside Vault Hala itself as well as you're going through and then into the end area, you can open up a, a special vault that has a red chest and a bunch of other chest as well and on top of it get a trophy for your playstation or uh, i'm sure it's an achievement too or whatever but you know for us the the trophy that you need to uh finish up said dlc so you can do this on your own if you want there's already guides out there that'll show you where all of them are the the first few are very very easy but it Mm -hmm. gets to uh, be a little bit tricky by the end of it so that was the only other thing that we did try to do while we played but we were far too gone to uh, yeah. find all of them and I don't even think I'd have found all of them sober unless I went like super micro ridiculous but I wouldn't have done that so yeah, do yourself a favor just check out a guide of someone who already figured it out and get yourself that extra loot and I'll give them a plug right now Mental Mars has a visual guide up I checked it out like the day that we were playing it and I was like hey there's some things around and that we kind of we didn't pull it up, but we're the, the stumble drunken guys. I know there's a thing. There's a shooty thing. Look, I shot that thing. Let, go over there and find another one. So, yeah, like you said, we weren't able to pull it off. But if you are going through solo and sober and you want to just pull up a guide, Mental Mars has a good one. So definitely check that out. And then for the last boss, it was another thing I don't remember. I don't remember us having problems with it at all. I just remember shooting the guy and then he was dead. That was it. He was fun. He was actually pretty enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, for half of it, he's just... Uh, this towering thing, you know, giant man, he's running around, pounding, you know, going nuts, and you're jumping on the platform, shooting him, and hiding behind the pillars. For half of him, he's normal huge. Yeah. And then for the second half, he's super huge. He's super huge. And then the second half was pretty much just easy peasy, kind of mm-hmm. just shoot, and that was basically it, and avoid the big giant flail. So, whatever. Uh, I won't go into super detail, but that's the gist of it. I, I enjoyed him. Visually, he was really cool. Yeah. And... I had a good time with them, but there was nothing I thought that was super fancy about it. There was no crazy cool mechanics that had me jaw-dropping and excited. Mm-hmm. But uh, visually fun and drinking beers and killing them, hey, I had fun doing it, so I don't give a damn. Good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, I'll say, I mean, the gameplay's Borderlands gameplay. The story fills in some gaps, so I appreciate the DLC for that. But I feel like maybe we overhyped ourselves. I wanted this to be a traditional DLC for. I wanted this to be Tiny Tina or the Claptastic Voyage, and it was a DLC. Like, it was good. I enjoyed it. I had fun with it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I wanted it to be the blockbuster. The ultimate. When we were done, I was like, okay, we got those two side quests I could do, but I wanted so much more out of it, but it's still fun. Just mm-hmm. if you keep your expectations tempered, it's pretty good. And that, that's what I ultimately came away with. I was hoping for some more side DLC. I'm mean, not side DLC, but side quests. Yes. I actually went back in and I was like, maybe I missed a few. You know, maybe there's a few I missed. There wasn't. Mm-hmm. I did them all, done them all. I went, well, shoot. You know, I really was hoping to, you know, get some more, a little more story out of this one. And it just wasn't there. And, you know, like I said, it was fine. It was good. I enjoyed it. They did a great job. But uh, yeah, I don't. F- I don't think that it was quite the Tiny Tina DLC or Clap Drastic Adventure. So if you if you went in hoping for that, I, I think you're all going to be in the same boat as we were. 
not quite there, but I do want to say they did a great job. I don't want them thinking that I'm negative on it. It was a great DLC. I had fun with it. It just wasn't the big bang that it kind of got put up to be. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like maybe I'm a little more negative than you because I feel like compared to the even the other three, mm-hmm. well, it feels like obviously the shortest. And I would definitely pick the other three over this one if we were to play through them again, just because the other three had new environments and areas and you crisscrossed them to go back and forth for the side quests. You spent more time in them. Mm-hmm. This one, it was, you got one shot through and you can go back into each one a little bit for one side quest and then that's it. Mm-hmm. So I... I I don't know. I feel a little bit disappointed, but it is still a good DLC. I just want I want so much more from it. I want more time in it. I want more side quests, more things to do. So I guess that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing, but it is a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, and, and the bosses were fine and fun, and that's where I'm going to go do a couple more of the bosses again, see if I can get some good drops. And then lastly for myself, I did want to mention, did you see uh, the SpongeBob boss? Yeah, yeah. Because I found him by I found him by accident. Yeah, I, did I was too. just sitting there screwing around and dropped down on that side, you know, edge over there, and all of a sudden he comes out, and I'm like, "What the hell?" And it was SpongeBob, whatever, no chance or some crap like that. He starts as like Sponge Billy bullet pants, and then as he levels yeah. up, he gets to be Sponge Billy no chance. So I, I'm doing this. Yeah, I did the typical thing. I'm shooting him, getting his head popping. You know, he's going up and he's going mm-hmm. crazy, and then he wrecked me. Like, completely, absolutely just smoked me. So I went, okay, well, apparently this is some kind of raid boss thing. That's pretty neat, but I am i can't do this right now. And then I backed up, and then I noticed why it was SpongeBob, because they literally, on the little cleft or whatever you want to call it, had the cool little pineapple under the sea house that SpongeBob has. And I went, oh, okay, yeah, that does look like the house. Now it all makes sense, because I was like, why is this a random psycho named SpongeBob in the middle of nowhere? I don't understand. He was one that I randomly came across too, and I shot him and blew his head up, and then he got to be like level 99 or whatever it was with the skull, and I just went, I was like, I can still do it. And I sat there with my OPQ system and unloaded three clips, and his health moved like a millimeter. And he, he never touched me. He just sat there looking at Mr. Beef like they all do. And I went, I just don't have the time for this. I could do it. And so I ran away. And I was like, well, maybe you and I will go back and do it, maybe. Eh, or it just won't get done. We would have. And I would have told you we need to do it. However, I was looking it up and it appears that he doesn't actually have any like set drops or anything. That as far as I'm aware, I could be wrong. But uh, I think well, the video I watched or whatever that was on it said there wasn't really a loot table for him or nothing. So... I was like, oh, darn. You know, I was hoping for like something really cool that you know you could get off of them, but I don't think that's the case. I'll, I could double check it you know, later, but I'll update you next week. But yeah, so I was like a little sad because I was thinking, well, maybe this is a cool little open raid boss and get a really cool, unique loot. But yeah. So speaking of cool little things, <laughs> I think we're going to wrap the show up with another cool little thing. I talked about it earlier. There was a Godfall video with our buddy Eric's on YouTube talking with. Oh man, I don't have the name of the Godfall developer dude, Handy. So it was another one of Eric's series of videos with this gentleman. And I I really like this one because it was kind of the behind the scenes of Godfall's combat and the theories behind it. What I really appreciated was it was right up front. They were talking about the weak points, and that's one of the selling things in the trailer, hit weak points. And so they went in depth on what weak points are and how they're going to work. Everything I heard in this section of the video, I absolutely loved. Like it wasn't just like, hey, this this character has like a big bulging red shoulder, so hit him in the shoulder and like a traditional weak point on a character. It was something that through damage, it steadily 
kind of unlocked and you have a one to three second window to attack the weak point. But again, not in the traditional gaming sense. They were talking about building your character for attacking weak points. Where like when it shows up, you can use abilities that are only triggered when the weak point is shown. So like building your character to have abilities that you can only use in this spot. I don't know. It sounded really cool. I don't know if I'm making any sense when I'm talking about it. Watch the video, definitely. Yeah, well, the weak points, first off, yeah, they come, like you said, from doing damage. They come from uh, staggering enemies, using weapons that have strong characteristics towards certain enemy types will allow you to open up weak points. And the cool part about these weak points is, like you said, it isn't just this mumbo-jumbo uh, you know, a little glowing red spot or the head becomes the critical spot. No, it'll be a little red light that you got to get your reticle over and attack. And it's usually only open for one to three seconds. So these weak points, they don't just appear and you get to do it. It's while you're attacking, while you're doing your special moves to breach, which is another thing you got to learn to do in this game, the breaching stuff. That opens them up to said weak points. And then if you utilize them using the proper weapons, getting in, because not all weapon types can do some of these because mm-hmm. it might be like a little spot behind the shield. But if you've got this giant hammer and, you, and he keeps blocking, you can't get there in time. You might have to do like a, a sidestep around him or something or throw the hammer and do a loop to hit him in the back where the weak points appeared. That's the kind of thing you got to do if you want to be efficient and get these weak points on the baddies because... It was, I was really enjoying it. I just thought that by watching this, I was like, all right, this isn't your typical just hack and slash. You know, there, there does look like there's going to be some really cool finesse going on. And then, of course, I know we're jumping around a little bit, but I want to bring it up before I forget it. Later in the video, they talked about the polarity. So this adds to what we're talking about with the weak points because with polarity, they decided that to make sure you'd have the ability to engage with the weak points and get certain enemies into a a position where you could get a weak point on them, they wanted you to be able to use different weapon types. And they were like, well, we don't want them to be able to use too many because it confuses you, makes it so you don't know really what you want to do. So they went with two. So what happens is you got, say you want a Warhammer, like like Eric's was talking about the whole video. You go in there, you're smashing face, and then you open up a weak point, all right, that's on the backside, or like you said, far he's far away and opens up a thing. You switch right over to your lance, you throw it, boom, you crack that weak point, you can switch right back to your Warhammer again and keep on going, and on top of that, they got, the like I said, the polarity thing going on. So while you got one weapon in the backside, it's growing in its strength or power. So you'll see like this little meter going up, and once it's at max, it starts to crackle and stuff, apparently. Because we didn't get to actually see it. He just talked about it. And once that happens, if you switch over to that weapon and do your special, it adds a whole bunch of extra damage and AOE blammo that goes out the whole nine yards. So it encourages you to make sure that you are swapping between your weapons at least once in a while to take advantage of said extra attack and extra strength. And I thought that was just fantastic. That goes hand in hand with what I got excited about of building your character's abilities and trinkets and augments four weak point attacks now you can know well maybe this weapon's not too good for it but i'm carrying this in the spare so when we're playing co-op i'll hammer away with my big hammer if you've got one weapon that does really good against this i've got the other weapon in my back slot that does really good against that one we can synergize all kinds of ways i can build for generic damage or you can build for generic damage and one of us builds for weak point cracking really good everything they talked about sounded really awesome i'm just excited to see it more in action and to for God's sakes, just play it. 
I just want to play it. Mm-hmm. I'm in the same boat. And of course, to kind of tie it up with what they were talking about was on top of the weapons having the ability to create and breach. I think it's called breaching was yeah, what they were talking breach. about, where basically it's like the separate line and then you get them into like stagger points and stuff. On top of all that, they talked a little bit about like the super moves and how that goes, the soul smashing or whatever it is. That was pretty neat. But the armors, they're they're made to be where you can do what you want to do. But all of them have their own niche. You know, they they are going to have like your tankier, your support tank kind of builds, your your heavy damage dealers, your fast damage dealers. And they kind of went into detail about how you're going to want to synergize, like you were talking about, with your armor and your weapons to create, you know, and of course all your trinkets, etc. The ultimate build. And there's a, they said there's a lot of room for play in that. There's a lot of room for some different kind of synergies. So... They feel there's going to be a crap ton of options for you to go and choose from when picking your armors, when picking your weapons, and uh, how to go about taking out said baddies and having a good time while doing it. This video really did drive the nail home, mm-hmm. showed the combat, showed the environment, showed what you're going to be doing and how you're going to be doing it when you're in combat having a good time. I'm sold. I really I love it. I hope they do some more of these because that just really got me hyped up for it. Yeah, 100% agree. I really hope that, obviously we see it from their social media team on Twitter. Hey, here's what we did with Eric's. I really hope that they promote this kind of stuff, especially in the days and weeks leading up to launch, because, you know, the trailers and stuff they've shown is are cool, but it's all this third-party stuff they've been doing that really opens our eyes and whets our appetites for this game. Like the stuff with Eric's, stuff with IGN, which is a bigger name, but still, some of that stuff is, it's more engaging and more informative than, what was it, the PAX trailer? They just showed a, a few mm-hmm. minutes of something. So I really hope they start pushing these like, hey, as we're gearing up for Godfall, check out this interview from a couple months ago. If you still got questions, check this out. We did this whole series with Eric's on the game. It'll make everybody love it because it looks so good and everything sounds amazing. I can't wait to get my hands on it. And what do you guys think out there in Third Shift Podcast listener land? Can you not wait to get your hands on it? Did you get your hands all over? Hey, I'm bringing it back around. I talked about putting my hands on stuff in the beginning. Mm, Sweaty palm on it. That's right. Did you get your sweaty palms all over the fuster cluck? What did you think about it? Let us know that at the email, thirdshiftme at gmail.com, on the Twitter, at thirdshiftme, and even on the Facebook. Find us under Third Shift. You can find us over there. We're over there hopping and popping all the time. We're also hopping and popping over on that Patreon if you like what we're doing, think we did a great job, you want to support us, help keep the lights on, paying those bills, you know what I'm talking about, you can go over there, throw a buck, two bucks, three bucks, a hundred bucks, any kind of bucks our way. It's just like a little old tip jar. Anything's appreciated, not necessary, but much appreciated. Anybody in the past who's done it, fantastic, and we thank you. Anybody who's currently doing it, you guys are all the best. But I also understand if you can't, Hey, you got to pay them bills. You can support us in so many other ways, though. You can give us the five-star ratings on the iTunes, which, as you know, gets us up in the metrics, and we look all super cool and fancy. You can go give us the mailbag questions, talk about some stuff you want us to do or talk about or say or give us opinions in general, or Facebook likes or the thumbs-ups over on the Twitters, or go over to Twitch and subscribe, follow, all that good stuff. There's so many options for you to be a part of the team, to be part of the crew, without having to fork over actual cold, hard cash, And that's totally fine, and we do appreciate all of it. Absolutely, we do. And of course, we also appreciate you listening to the very next episode, which will drop on the 1st of October. It's going to be a quarter-end special, you guys. I'm just going to say, it'll probably be a short episode. We'll probably both be very grumpy. It'll be fantastic and fun like it always is. But you can find that episode on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbean, on Spotify, and on YouTube. And as I always say, if you like what we're doing and you'd like to help us out, 
please give us a like, a rating, a review, a comment, a subscription, any kind of good thing on any one of those good services, because it does help us out. And we really do appreciate it. Indeed we do. We appreciate it. We appreciate you. Give us that five star rating. Give us that five star rating. Give us that five star rating. Five star rating. Five star rating. Five star rating. And with that, there's nothing else to say, but... Don't forget to say... Shut up and sit down.